0: Before I get to my next guest, Megan Yankman, I want to give a shout out to a couple of our sponsors, starting with our friends over at Strixon Cleveland Golf. Your best performance starts with the right golf ball at Strixon. A global leader in golf ball technology and innovation, Strixon offers a wide variety of award-winning golf balls for golfers of every skill level. Whether you're searching for a tour performance golf ball or a distance golf ball with incredible feel, Strixon provides the best golf balls at incredible prices. Shrixon offers a wide variety of personalized options while also developing a highly visible colored golf ball as well. Select the right golf ball for your game today and trust it with Shrixon. Check them out online at Shrixon.com. S-R-I-X-O-N.com. Find the right golf ball for your game today. I also want to remind you about our friends over at Sun Mountain. There's a company nestled in the valley of Missoula, Montana that embodies the essence of quality, function, and innovation, and that's Sun Mountain, which started building golf bags back in 1981. They are an industry leader in golf bags, travel covers, outerwear, and push carts. With flagship products that you've come to know, like the C-130 cart bag, the 2.5 ultralight stand bag, the club glider travel cover, the speed cart, and Rainflex rain gear, Sun Mountain continues its quest to provide the very best in golf products to every range of golfer. Visit them online at sunmountaingolf.com to look at their amazing products. Okay, now back and next on the tee with me is LPGA Top 50 instructor and the Director of Instruction at Bethpage Golf Courses up in New York, Megan Yankman. Let me remind you about Megan's background. She captained her high school team to back-to-back state championships. She played her college golf at Ohio State and then transferred to the University of Toledo, where she lettered in 1996. She became an LPGA Class A teaching professional in 2001. In September of 2011, Megan was appointed the head coach of the state of Florida team in the PGA Junior League Golf World Series, held here in Atlanta at TPC Sugarloaf in Duluth, the site of this week's Mitsubishi Electric Classic over on the Champions Tour. Megan received the U.S. Kids Golf Top 50 Teachers Award, She spent nine years at River Hills Country Club just outside of Tampa, Florida, as the Director of Instruction there. She moved over to Temple Terrace Golf and Country Club as their Director of Instruction for eight-plus years. She is now the Director of Instruction at the Golf Channel Academy at Bethpage State Park in New York, and I'm honored to have her back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Megan, thanks for coming back on the show.
1: Hey, Chris. Great to be back. It's Good to see you.
0: Megan we talked a little bit about this last time but for most of us it takes us 10 years just to get bad at playing golf you picked it up almost overnight and became the captain of your high school team so talk about how was it that you were able to pick up the game of golf so quickly
1: well honestly it really wasn't quickly (laughs) I was I was a sophomore in high school but so I think this might you know to our audience it might it might really resonate because everybody wants to get good really quickly. Um, but also to some of our parents who have, who have children that are starting later and decide that they want to play golf, you know, where, rather it be in high school or college. But I, I, I always go back to this. It, it doesn't matter your talent. It matters your work ethic. And that is what I always fell back on, um, prior to picking up the game and I picked it up and oh my gosh, I was. It was just before my sophomore year of high school. I had, I had a plethora of years with other sports and, you know, succeeding in those either as a varsity athlete, finally, um, at a young age or, you know, I, I travel ball in other sports. I was a skier, a downhill racer. And so I had, I had something called work ethic, which, which was kind of built in, uh, when I decided to, Play golf. Uh, golf was not a sport. I might have had a talent with hand-eye coordination, but golf definitely challenged me so much that I, I, I think I was the worst on my team my first year, which is, you know, probably, um, for a lot of us, but it was definitely something I wasn't scared to work hard for. And I guess, I guess I want to say that, you know, my, my family and, and my parents and my household didn't really have feelings. It was, uh, it was well, if you want this, this is what it takes. You know, if you want that, this is what it takes. There wasn't anything that said that you can't do something, so I think that, that that really helped as well.
0: And Megan, to what you said a moment ago, travel ball, other sports, you know, we live in a world now where it's travel baseball, travel softball. Um, but it sounds like you were a very well rounded athlete when, when for for those of us who have children that are becoming interested in the game of golf, is it better to specialize and really focus on golf? Or is it better to let them play lots of different sports and, and get involved so that um, it makes them a well-rounded athlete?
1: You know, having that experience as a junior golfer myself and as a junior athlete myself, um, now it has served me very well to give the <laughs> To, to give some really good advice that kids in general need to be involved in a lot of activities as a young person, you know, whether it be the arts, whether it be sports, um, whether it be music, something that they can, you know, experience a lot, a lot of things that they could find a little bit of passion in and learning a little bit about that, uh that phrase work ethic. So I think that kids should always be involved in, you know, in, in a lot of sports yet still have a, a fulfilled family life where they're not just running around to sports every single night of the week. Uh, once you get to a certain age, you do need to specialize. If you've got, if you've got goals, uh, in certain areas, but I have uh, plenty of athletes that, that are, you know, of that age in high school where they really need to focus if they want golf, because that's what we're talking about here. So if they want golf, I still think it's really important to have an outlet. So maybe playing another sport like tennis, you know, something for the school, something that is fun. And if you're not a multi-athlete, you know, in in, in a lot of multi-sports, then perhaps having a different passion, something that you really enjoy as a hobby, Uh, but clearly defining that, you know, that this is my priority, golf is my priority, but I I do have these other sports. You know, through development, Chris, we're we're talking about kids, we're talking about you know, physical development as well. So these other sports develop other areas of the body, you know, other muscle groups. Uh, what did they say in the last NFL draft? I think 89% of the picks were multi-sport athletes in high school and only 20 or uh, I, I would say 11% were specialists in their sport. So only 11% were only football. What does that say? That says a lot, you know, for, for the development of the junior athlete. Um, I think other sports teach you about, um, not only the work ethic, but team dynamics. And, you know, golf isn't necessarily a team dynamic. It is through college, it is through high school, but still, you're playing alone out there, like all of us know. So you really need to have a little bit of the best of both worlds, um, you know, to, to be your best in the sport.
0: Megan, switching gears a little bit. You've been named an LPGA top 50 instructor for 2022 and 23. What does that designation mean to you?
1: Oh, that is a lot to unpack. <laughs> that was something else. I mean, I, I think I share that with everybody else who was chosen on that list. And, you know, for me, it's, it's got a lot of significance. I mean, there's, there's first and foremost being, being, uh, let's just go back to when they called us up, you know, for the top 50 award. And, you know, when I'm standing in that line of those 50 women, I mean, these are some of the women were some of the women I have looked up to for years and here I was um with them. And that, that's just extremely humbling and it's just, it's surreal. Um, Second of all, you know, you look back at all the years that I've been doing this, which is about, you know, 22 years of, strong dedication to teaching and growing as a teacher just so that I could be better every single day for a student. Um, the reward, I, I it's not needed. It's not needed, but it is certainly appreciated. And third of all, you know, a really iconic moment for me, and I don't know if I share this with anyone else, but the woman who gave me the award when I received it, uh, with Nancy Henderson and she's our chief teaching, um, officer at the LPGA now. But back when I first started the LPGA, um, journey, she was a woman who was at, um, LPGA International as a general manager, I believe. And she was just running around, but I got to see somebody like me that was in that position and I didn't know women back then could do that. I mean, obviously I was in my early twenties, but I didn't really know that. So when I saw her walking around and, and in control of, of her department and she was very professional, I knew that I could do anything. So receiving that award and having her hand that to me and to shake her hand was a huge moment for me. So, it you know, this, this this means a lot to me on, on so many levels.
0: So, Megan, let's take that a step further, right? Growth on the women's side of the sport. We're seeing more money now coming into the LPGA. We've seen Susie yep. Whaley, the president of the PGA of America. We're seeing a lot of really wonderful things, the Augusta National Women's Amateur thing. You talk about things that you never would have guessed. Might have happened on the women's side of the sport years ago. Now is really exploding. Talk about the growth of the game for the women's side and the things that you you want to be involved with from here on out.
1: Well, that's a really uh, great thing to ask me my perspective on that. You know, when you look at the industry itself, uh, you know, the industry that our audience is looking at, of course, is television, and we've got the tour. And that is one division of the LPGA. Um, But a a host of our, a, a majority of our other membership is what you see in the industry, your head golf professionals, your general managers, your teachers, you see your merchandisers, you see everybody that you see every single day when you're coming to the golf course. So you're not only seeing the men now, you're seeing the women leading, you know, you're seeing them have greater opportunities. They're on the board. They're not just, the wife at the member of the club. Um, it's it's a pretty unique perspective because I sit okay. So so the LPGA as a whole, and and I just kind of if I can use this time to to kind of educate from my platform is that there is the LPGA tour, and then there's the LPGA club professional membership, and the club professional membership is actually almost like earning a degree. It's about a three-year program if you continue, you know, on time. And you are trained. We're predominantly focused on the teaching, and the PGA kind of gives a little bit of everything. And they also have a a, an industry professional uh, management program, but we also have our own. And now, I've uh, since 2011, I've been fortunate to be, On the global education team, which means we teach our teachers, right? Our teachers that are coming through the program and our, our membership program called the teacher education program. And our global education team is a, is a, is a very special group of, of teachers that are, that are host to evaluations and teaching our candidates that are coming through. So when I see, you know, these, these amazing women coming through, it gives me a whole new perspective of what's coming up in the future for the LPGA, because now also we have uh, let's take your tour player and they are ready for the next step in their career. And what would that be? That would be teaching. That would be, you know, being out in the public eye, influencing other players and so forth. So they actually have also to get their membership, which is a class A uh, membership with the LPGA. And so they come through our program as well. So you are seeing now tour players that, you know, have the biomechanics, uh, background and the training and everything else that they've been through to actually be some of the best teachers in the world. And I, I really think that that hands-on LPGA product that we're, that, you know, that we're producing and, um, these candidates that continue to Succeed through our program are really touching the lives of of golfers every single day. And that also is a huge component to the strength of the LPGA tour as well.
0: So Megan, talk about what it takes to be a class a LPGA professional. It's not like you just go in there and you have a weekend clinic. And now the next thing you know, you're a class a professional talk about what goes into becoming someone at that level.
1: Uh, Well, you, you originally start out, you know, as an apprentice member. You you join the LPGA as an apprentice member, um, and then after your apprenticeship is over, which includes uh, learning about the history of the LPGA, all the kind of uh, beginning stages, and also passing player ability tests. Um, that that's very important to getting in. Um, after after that, then you've succeeded through that, you come into level one. You have programming. Um, that gets you ready for obviously the next level, which gets heavily into the biomechanics of the swing, etc. And then you have your level three programming that um, takes you through quite a bit more of that. Obviously, marketing your own programs, budgets, etc. Learning how to run your own, you know, your own operation, and learning how to to facilitate another's operation. And once you come through those. Level two, there's testing involved, uh teaching in front of the education team. And then level three, there's higher, you know, higher uh, requirements that you have to complete to attain your Class A uh membership. So once you attain your Class A, then you are a full-fledged member of the LPGA.
0: Megan, let's switch it up a little bit. I want to go back into uh your career. But you've had an opportunity to be at some of the most iconic golf courses in our country. Uh, Inverness has hosted several majors recently. It held the Solheim Cup a few years ago. It became the home course for the men's and women's golf programs at uh, your alma mater, University of Toledo. Talk about getting to spend some time there and uh, and playing that golf course.
1: Well, this past year with the Solheim Cup there, boy, what a... Beautiful establishment, and what they did for that Solheim Cup was just phenomenal, especially given the property. It's one of those very small quaint properties, but then you have this unbelievable golf course on uh on there and it is it it just brought back a lot of memories for me, obviously. <laughs> I grew up uh in Toledo uh my home courses were Inverness as well as Highland Meadows, where they play the marathon classic every year in June or early July. Um, so those, you know, having, having those experiences at LPGA courses through, through growing up with just, uh, it was just happenstance. It was definitely a privilege, um, to think I was just on swim team all those years up until age 14 and not paying attention to golf at all, um, is kind of crazy for me. But those, you know, having, uh, seeing those players, I can't tell you watching the Solheim Cup players. I mean, I've played golf, but that kind of golf is just phenomenal. Uh to watch and then the spirit obviously of everybody watching them as well. Um coming up the home stretch and those holes are so so dynamic and they're tough. They're shot making. You know, I can can reference that of course having exposure now with Bethpage. They're not only all five of their golf courses, but especially Bethpage Black, they're shot making golf courses. So you really have to, you know, uh, Especially the pros. I mean, that's why obviously they have championships there. You've, you've really got to be a player to do well.
0: So yeah, let's, let's take that a step further. Being there at best page. How many people like, you know, someone like me, I'm a, I'm a 12 handicap think that they can go out there on the best page black course. Hey, you know, I can play from the tips. Let me see what these guys. This can't be that bad. And I got to imagine by the time they they trudge their way off of 18, have been beaten to a pulp because the black horse is no joke, but uh we all think that we're above that and we can all take it on. How many people have you run across that uh thought they could do it and then ended up, uh let's just say, not as enthusiastic by the time they got done?
1: <laughs> I always say that that's why we take your picture by that warning sign before you play. <laughs> 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 but uh, Chris, to, your, to answer your question it's everybody everybody i mean why wouldn't you go into a course thinking oh i'm different you know no i i play this certain type of play you know i shoot 15 over usually i'm I'm still going to play that game here but i think that you know with the more with the tougher golf courses with the with the layouts like that again it's a shop making course i mean i was an idiot the first time i played black uh, i had a caddy and he would i would get into the fescue which is the higher grass it, it's really clammy it, it really grabs your ball um and even knowing that i would want to hit it out of it and he said no nope, no nope, we're gonna punch nine iron i said no way i'm gonna hit my hybrid out of it no you're not and he just handed me my club and i'd have to trust him and thank god i did <laughs> But if you don't have a caddy, you know, and also the, so it's the shot making. Um, you've got to be able to place your ball. You don't, just because you can hit your three wood 200 yards, let's just say I'm thrown at numbers. Um, the 150 shot is a better shot up to the plateau than you get on the green. But everybody says, well, it's only 200 yards. So I'm going to just hit my three wood. You can't do that. And I, you know, it, everything's above you. You're hitting into greens that are above you. You're hitting into greens that are several yards below you, so there's a lot of slope. Um, And the fatigue level, you're walking that course, So that round there is typically not a four-hour round. I would say a five-hour round minimum. Um, I had friends in, this is a great example because this is about just recreational players, but I had some friends in last year at the end of the season They flew in for the day, played golf. We went to dinner. The next day, they fly home. So when they were here, we went and played. And I tried to explain, (laughs) "Let's just have a good day. Let's have fun." And they had a great time. But we were coming up 15, and the gentleman in my group looked at me and he said, "What hole are we on?" (laughs) And I said, "I mean, that's how lost he was." And I said, "Well, we're on 15, silly." And he said. God, I feel like I'm on my 28th hole today,
0: <laughs> you know,
1: and our caddies typically walk about five miles. We were on our eighth. Wow. Coming up 18. Wow. Yeah. A pretty, and they weren't just spotting golf balls. They were full-time caddying. Yeah. So it's it's pretty, It's it's a real experience. You got to, you know, I would suggest getting in a little bit of shape if you're coming in from out of town. There's some regulars that play it all the time. But it's, you know, you got to go in and just enjoy the experience rather than trying to play at it. You know, you got to play with it, kind of like the wind.
0: And you mentioned the famous warning sign. I read that no one is really sure who originally put that sign up. Is that true or is that just a legend?
1: I would love to have that answer for you. (laughs) I have no idea. (laughs) That's a good question. And by our next show, I'll have, uh, I'll have an answer for you. (laughs)
0: Um, we don't hear an awful lot about the other courses there at Bethpage—the red, blue, green, yellow courses. Talk about those.
1: Oh, I'm so glad you asked me that because honestly, the red course is the course pretty close to Black. It's got a great layout. I mean, it's it's tough, but you get to take a cart, so that's a whole nother experience when you get to take a cart. Again, New Yorkers and people that come in love to walk. Um, our courses are very walking friendly, except Black, but uh the the red course has a great layout. It's it's probably the second hardest course. Um, third hardest course, so it's a tie between blue and I would say green. Uh the green course was our original course. It was the only course that was there. Um uh, they decided to make it, you know, make the state park, you know, into a more golf friendly um facility. So the green is it's just a lot more wide open, it's a little bit flatter. Uh, the blue is incredibly undulated. I mean, you could be, I don't know, 100 yards up, 100 yards down wow. on a lot of holes, you know, 50 yards here and there. So there's, there's a lot of undulation on the blue course. And then, um, our final course is the yellow. It's our most player friendly course. In fact, I would love to turn that into a, well, have an influence to turn it into more of a family course it's definitely a family friendly course not short by any means but it's just it's just so fun it's player friendly our juniors love it um even our competitive juniors love that course of yellow they often use that as a nine hole course so we've got front and back um front and back to use for our players we always have a nine hole course every single day um that you can get a ticket for so that's that's about it in order. It's a, it's, it's a great place to be, I tell you
0: that. Megan, I want to get a couple of playing lessons before I let you go. And as you know, most <laughs> of us struggle off the tee. You know, we're slicers. Um, we know that it's the path of the face that, that generates that slice, but we still can't seem to figure out how to square it up. What are some things that you work with your students on in order to get that club face square at the moment of impact?
1: That's a great question. You know, the first thing that that I want to mention here is a slice is a slice, a fade is a fade. So first, you have to determine what exactly do you have. A fade just just uh, drifts off a little bit from the from the path, you know, and falls a little bit right of your intended target. Um, A slice basically has a turn signal on it, and it takes it out of play. Um, And I'm speaking from a right-handed golfer. Obviously we'll switch that up for a left handed golfer, but for a right handed player, you know, if that ball is has a turn signal on it and it's and it's really taking you out of play, that's something you really need to get to the range and, and and work on. And I would suggest that you go to your you go to your golf professional, get get videoed, have them really look at you. It could be anything. It could be something simple in your hand position on the handle. You could have a a weak grip. Um again, right handed player if your hands are too far left on the handle. We need to get a more, a little bit, what we call stronger to the right, um, less on top of the handle. And it it could be something as simple as that. Now, a true fade, I mean, we want to move the ball left of the target and have it fade into the target. But if you're a true slicer, I know you're getting up on that tee box and you're aiming even further and further left when you play. Um. Typical slicers though are those that don't practice very much, so they haven't really taken that time, just step back, maybe take a week and work on it. Um, so we'd want to turn you into more of a fader of the ball. You know, it's not it's not a bad thing to move the ball left to right or right to left. A lot of players think, Oh, I've gotta hit it straight. Well, you really don't. You you know, a playable ball flight, three playable ball flights. There's a straight ball flight, there's a fade, which starts left of the target line and fades down to the target. And then there's a draw, a healthy draw that starts right of the target line and it draws left and drops left of the target line into the target. So there's three ball flights. Nicholas was a fader of the ball. You know, the best, the best players all have their, their go to ball flight. Um, that's for their swing, but they can create other ball flights. So that's, that's just, some things that you should think about if you're a slicer of the ball, for sure.
0: Megan, another area that we struggle with is just chipping around the greens. If we're five, ten yards off the green, getting the ball to where we want it to be by the hole becomes very challenging. I mean, there's lots of different clubs you can you can use. You know, where where do we put the ball in our stance? We hear lots of different uh, versions of where that needs to go, and then club selection. Talk about what you instruct your folks to do in order to and just I'm just talking about a simple a chip shot. We don't have a bunker, we don't have anything in our way, but we're trying to get the ball close to the hole so we, you know, we're not two or three putting. How do we chip and what what are the things that you teach from club selection, ball position, and stance?
1: Great, great question. Um, you know, from a short shot off the green, first of all, rule of thumb, the lower that the ball travels, the better. So if we can keep the ball on the ground the longer we can keep the ball on the ground, the better. So if you really are put, you know, you're you're just off the green and you've got fairway lie into the green and the ball's going to travel on the fairway to the green, go ahead and putt it. Absolutely. Or you want to use a low-lofted club, um something like an 8 iron or a 7 iron to bump the ball a little bit. We also call it a bump and run cuz it bumps up on the green just a little bit and spends most of its time running to the hole. Uh, that's something that we want to think about when you're stepping up to a chip shot. Of course, the further away that you get from a green, the more higher lofted club that you choose is better. Uh, um, but if we are standing close, you know, I, I'm going to say just to make this very simple is that we never, if, if you're in your stroke and you're in your stance, just stand as natural as possible. Go ahead and align. You're, you're going to hear open your stance, place the ball in the back. That is all great and you can learn that from your teaching professional or you can watch some videos online and kind of tinker with that. But just to start out, the first thing that you have to do is learn to have a putting stroke with your iron. So if that makes sense, Chris, at all, you're going to take a lower lofted iron and you're going to set it next to the ball. Obviously you're going to stand close to the ball, have a, you know, your feet are going to be a little bit closer together, but in our putting stroke, we really don't use your wrist, right? So right. in a chipping stroke, you're also going to not use your wrist. If you need to get your wrist out of that stroke, you're definitely going to want to maybe take your putting grip and actually hit the ball. That will teach you how to keep your wrist out of it. Um, something else you want to think about, maybe it's keeping the handle of the club again for a right-handed player. Keep the handle of the club to the left of your left hip and make your stroke. And the stroke shouldn't be really any bigger um, to start with anyway. It shouldn't be any longer than your putting stroke, that the natural putting stroke that you would have for the distance away from the target that you are.
0: Wow. Great advice. Thank you very much for that. Maggie, before I let you go, sure. let our listeners know, how can they stay up to, to date with all the great things you're doing and follow you, whether it's online or it's on social media?
1: Sure thing. Um, MeganYoungsman.com is always a great place to go, but also BethpageGolfCourse.com. Uh, you can click on Academy. We've got a lot of great programs. If you want to fly in for the day, have a couple hours with one of our instructors, including myself, um, you can certainly fly in and then take a round on the golf course. What a great day that would be for you. Uh, we've also got Instagram. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook. Any of our instructors have their own Facebook pages. Uh we also have uh Instagram. I've got Instagram so you can look me up on that. Uh there's a lot of fun golf content that I like to post and share. And also um for sure you can uh there is a website called birdiespot.com. We've got a lot of our videos on there from a lot of our instructors that are at the academy and other instructors that I would encourage you to go to. Uh, to get your instruction before you'd ever YouTube anything that you'd want to do. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> good advice. Megan, thank you so much. I always have a lot of fun when you're a part of the show. I hope you'll come back and join us again sometime.
1: Oh, Chris, thanks for having me. I can't wait to do it again.
0: Take care, Megan. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon.
1: Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Bye.
0: That is the great. Megan Youngman, Y-O-U-N-K-M-A-N is the spelling of her last name. You, you heard, you know, follow her on Instagram, follow her on Twitter. Um, uh, and those two playing lessons, I mean, particularly that shipping thing. I am looking forward to taking that out to the golf. I'm going to put my earbuds in. I'm going to re-listen to that part of the segment and I'm going to be practicing that because that's, that's some really solid advice. I got my annual golf trip with my buddies coming up and, uh, I got a feeling I'm going to be chipping it a lot closer to the hole, and I hope they didn't hear it so they don't. All right, my friends, it is time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Tee. My sincere thanks again to Evan Schiller, Dave Stockton Jr., Dr. Bern Bernacki, and Megan Yachman for joining me tonight. Next week scheduled to join me are, finally, our resident director of instruction, Tom Patry, will be back on the show. Seems like forever since TP's been here. Champions Tour pro Scott Verplank will be back, as will golf artist Linda Harto, plus our great friend and my favorite author of all time, Keith Hirschland, will be here. So folks, it's going to be a great show. I hope you'll come back and be a part of it with us. You can listen to this show as a podcast on just about every major podcast app, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast.co, Audioboom, Player.fm, and Podbean. Please check out our website, nextonthetea.net, to see what our upcoming guest schedule looks like. Plus, we have links on there to our recent episodes and individual guest segments, so whether you've got two hours or 20 minutes, we've got some great content on there for you. Folks, I can't thank you again for choosing to listen to this show tonight. I know you've got a lot of golf podcasts to choose from. I am very thankful that you continue to make Next on the Tee one of them. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends.